Welcome to the House Top Podcast, the teaching arm of Oikos Ministries. Jesus said, Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light, and what you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. Join our host, Terrell Abair, as he teaches God's Word. Welcome to our study on Biblical Church. Glad to have you back with us. It's uh, chapter 13. This is a, a chapter I look so forward to sharing with. Uh, kind of one of those things where you just really want to race to this chapter. In my heart of hearts, this is really what got my motor running about everything I've been talking about. And so when I talk tonight about the way Jesus taught his disciples how to evangelize, and how to reach other people, I really believe this was the very DNA of the first century church. And so uh, I pray that tonight as we uh, go into these chapters, that uh, you'll get the revelation of it as well. And uh, we'll see success as we cast out our nets again and really understand what we're trying to do. You know, the Apostle Paul gave a warning. He said, I do not beat the air. And, you know, as, as an old fighter, you know, I loved a guy who would beat the air because if you have your body under subjection, you're going to hit what you're aiming at. But a windmill, someone who's just really just swinging willy nilly, uh, it's rare when they're going to connect with what they're trying to hit. And so we want to be very sure that the early church was focused on their target and knew exactly what they were going after. And so if you would turn with me to the book of Matthew in the ninth chapter. Or you can just follow us along if you have your book or if you're online or go to our website, www.housechurchesusa.com. And you can go right in there and read this book online or download it on your Kindle. But for tonight, if you want to just follow along in your Bible, Matthew 9, it says in verse 36 through 38, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Now I want you to notice this. I believe that every person who ever gets right with Jesus has a burning desire to share their faith with someone else. But I also believe that many times when we're fruitless or when we're very ineffective at it, we lose heart about this issue and we find ourselves discouraged and or, or not willing to be in a confrontation or whatever this may be. Uh, there's many cases where you just kind of stop doing it for whatever the threats might be there. You just don't feel productive, whatever it may be. But I want to tell you tonight, this is the most effective way to evangelize for Jesus Christ is how he just taught his own disciples. So watch carefully. It says when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. That uh, that word there, moved for compassion, compassion literally was a word re referring to the bowels of a person, in particular, the spleen. And so it's really a weird uh, word, but it, it literally, the, the ancients thought that all the, the, the greatest of emotion of love or anger would come right out of the gut of man. And, but Jesus was moved with compassion. He didn't just feel this, he did something. He was moved with compassion because he looked on the people, and I want you to do the same thing. He saw the people and looked at them as sheep having no shepherd. Uh, I, I termed a coined a phrase called shepherdless sheep. And literally this became his target audience, people who had been 
uh, in the flock, but now were scattered. They were weary. They were fading. Uh, I've said it many times. Uh, I'll say it again. If we reference back to George Borna's research and, and, and others like him, uh, George Borna has been very accurate on research concerning this stuff. And uh, man, back at the turn of the century, uh, one million people were leaving the church per year. One million people. Now, there's no organization on the planet that can suffer that kind of hemorrhaging and not finally just dissolve. The church has lost its membership role, and we have to examine why. What's going wrong? And I, I can, uh, uh, there's a lot of variables we could put in there, but I can say this much. I think there are multitudes out there, millions, literally millions of souls out there who have been there and done that in the traditional setting, and they're not coming back. And if we don't accept that, if we don't realize that, then we're going to, you know, uh, any shepherd out there look, it should literally begin to adjust what he does to reach them. Or do you care? Or do you just want those who are already going to be nice and tidy and are going to attend and tithe and that's all you want? Or are we going to go out there and heal these sick and hurting sheep? All right. Stay with me. He was moved with compassion because he saw them as sheep having no shepherd. They were weary. They were fainting. They were losing heart. And then he looked and he said, look, look at the, look at it carefully. He said, the harvest, he said this to his disciples. He said, these are the people learning from the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. He said the harvest in particular, when we're looking at the idea of a harvest, we're talking about the gathering of souls for the kingdom of God. Literally gathering up souls for God's kingdom, bringing them in. The harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few. Pray you, therefore, because of that, pray this. Pray for the Lord of the harvest. That would be Jesus himself. Pray, Lord Jesus, we need more laborers in the harvest. Now, what I've learned about the laborers in the harvest is this. We have been so defiled with the traditional style of teaching that there are many good, useful laborers who cannot be put to work because they literally don't think they have the ability to do so. We've watched the one man show for so long that we've all learned to sit down and be quiet and shut up and listen. We don't need that in this new wineskin or really the old wineskin of the apostolic doctrine. And that literally we need we need multitudes of laborers who will go out and follow this teaching that I'm about to show you and, and begin to do this. Now, stay with me. Let's turn to another passage in the, uh, the book of John. In chapter four, you remember the story of the woman at the well. Some of you might know that story. The Samaritan woman, uh, Jesus is witnessing. It's a great picture of uh, uh, literally uh, witnessing to someone. Jews and Samaritans did not get along. It's really great to look at uh, crossing a prejudicial, a prejudice line uh, of, of even a racial line in, in, in many cases to go and witness to someone you may have a prejudice against. And so here he is sharing to her about the living water, and then he prophesied to her. But as the, you know, the scenario unfolded, we're going to talk more about her in a little while, but let's look at this. In John 4, verses 34 through 38, Jesus taught his disciples a lesson. Watch what he says. He said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. So Jesus said, the thing that satisfies me is to do the will of God. 
God sent Jesus and he said, the only thing that satisfies me is doing God's will. That's what he wants to do. Now, stay, stay with me. Now, did you know that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance? He waits for that. He's made provision for every soul on this planet to be saved. Will they be saved? I don't think so. I wish they would. I would that every person on the sound of my voice would literally sell their life out to Jesus Christ right now and say, Lord, have mercy on me and literally pursue him until he washes away your sins. You come up a new creature in Christ Jesus. I wish that that every person who ever hears me say this would come to Christ in a powerful way and and begin to bear his image in the earth. Oh, it would be the ultimate in to, to fulfill God's will and see you save and Meet you in eternity. Keep going. Watch carefully. He said it's to do his will and to finish his work. Now, certainly the work that Jesus would do for God was a singular work that only he could do. Ultimately, he would die on the cross and fulfill God's specific will for him that he would die and redeem man's kind. That would finish the work of salvation. But understand that every generation to follow need those witnesses and those who would do the bidding of Christ. We are co-laborers together with him in this ministry. God has limited himself that he would work through men to reach the souls of other men. Now, we don't have to be eloquent. We don't have to be elaborate. All we have to have is the testimony of Christ inside of us and say, let me tell you, what the Lord has done in my life. And we need those kind of people who would boldly proclaim this and unashamedly say, let me share my testimony of Jesus with you. Preferably while you're eating together. It's best that way. I love to eat with anybody, really. Let's keep going. Watch. He said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do not say there are still four months and then the harvest. So let's get it out of our mind that there's uh, some reason why we are not seeing a harvest in our generation. Okay? You know, the Bible says where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. And the darker it gets, the better our light could shine. Come on, man. Let's think different about this. We're in a low ebb. So what? We're in a, we're in a, we're in a problem. Time. So what? Look, there's been worse times in history. There's been times of great unbelief. There have been times of serious uh, problems. But hear me, man. The gospel can cut through all of this. He needs those who would labor in the vineyard. Come on. Listen carefully. Watch carefully. Look. Don't say there's four months. Quit. Get, get that out of our thinking. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields. Why did he tell us that? Why do you have to tell his disciples, lift up your eyes? You know what? If we would get our eyes off of what we're normally looking at, usually it's our own self, our own situation, my four, no more. We're so inwardly looking that we're literally losing the whole plan of God. I want to tell you, God's going to hold some people accountable for that. We cannot sit around on our blessed assurance and sit there in a church pew all of our life or in some situation and, and just excuse ourselves and say, well, I don't feel led or I, that's not my ministry or man, we're this forget any ministry or, or leading you're commanded. Commanded. As a matter of fact, if we're not gathering together, you're scattering. Just you sitting there on your lazy testimony is scattering. You're telling other people it's all right to put it in neutral. It's a, that lukewarm's okay. And that's a lie out of the pit of hell. 
So just sitting around, don't cut it. And you're not going to, it's not going to be an excuse to the Lord on that day. Many are going to say, Lord, Lord, haven't we? Yeah. Haven't you sat there on the couch doing nothing? Well, we pray. Yeah. What did you do? Lift up your eyes to the field. Look up. Lift up your eyes and specifically look to the field. What fields? The shepherdless sheep. I was looking up some words today. And it says they are white already unto harvest. I, I look at it's really an interesting thing. The, the idea is dead white. Now, this isn't a racial issue, folks. Dead white. And it literally is the, the whiteness of grain or harvest right before things are ready to be harvested. There is a, a, a death to that head that makes it have a white glow to it. Like it's ready to pick. To me, the deader a person it is, the closer they are to be harvested. You know, as an American uh, minister and, and, and a, a Christian who happens to be American, the most effective times I've ever had with people for 40 years, they were either in the worst predicaments in their life for losing a life, usually during times of death, or else serious, serious trauma of divorce or, or maybe addiction. It's the only time people get vulnerable. Other than that, they don't want you to, they want to hear a thing about it. I'm telling you. Uh, basically, I think the most fertile grounds in America are in the hospital right now. If they'll let you in. But anyway, there's still four months in come. Behold, I say, lift up your eyes and look at the fields. Specifically, what fields? The shepherdless sheep. I believe it's time to start looking at those people who used to be avid churchgoers and literally the program consumed them. It burnt them up, burnt them out. They fell away. I want to tell you something, folks. They're out there by the multitudes. Multitudes are out there. And they says, I'm not going back. I don't need that. I'm tired. And now they can turn on an Internet or a TV and they could just watch a sermon. They can listen to their favorite preacher or whatever. They don't even want any part of it. But folks, the relational touch is not there. Keep going. Stay with me. He who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life. I believe this is a non-negotiable in the things of God. If you'd look at John chapter 15 and study that carefully, I believe the fruit is literally us dealing relationally with people. Greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. And I mean, begin to lay down your life to see your friends come to Christ. This is the fruit that God desires. No, not desire, commands from his people. He said, Paul told Timothy, be fruitful in season and out of season. He didn't even, I mean, Wow, there was no, it was non-negotiable. And you have to look at your own life and say, how much fruit am I bearing? And if you've been fruitful, rejoice, fruitless, excuse me, rejoice and listen to me carefully. I want to show you tonight. Stay with this teaching. Stay with it. Keep going. Watch what it says. For if this, the saying is true, one sows, another reaps. I sent you to reap for that which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labors. I want to tell you, I believe there are many out there who've heard all this. Heard it all before, but I'll tell you right now, they have been sidelined, some from abuse, some from negligence, some from misuse. And I want to tell you, they're out there. 
We got to get our eyes off of ourselves. You want to see the you want to see your problems disappear? Begin to minister to somebody else. And I believe God will take care of you. I believe it's the greatest covenant. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. When you start looking to advance the kingdom of God in the life of another person, God begins to take care of you. Here's a whole new ball game of the economy of God. And I'm not talking money here either. I'm talking about the full economy of everything in your life being satisfied because you're doing the will of God. Stay with me. Let's turn to another passage. We're going to go to Matthew, the 10th chapter, first and second verses. He said, pray for the Lord of the harvest. Now, I want you to, <clears throat> I want you to think about this. Let's all bow our heads and pray. Lord, send laborers in the harvest. Y'all, n- look, y'all, not even in this room, y'all ain't even bad. Huh? That's, uh, now, now I'm just disappointed. If you pray that, you know what he's going to say, don't you? Go. Go. Well, I don't know where to go. We'll, we'll solve that in just a minute. Stay with me. Matthew 10. Listen to this. We're on page 132 in the white book, about the bottom of the page. He said, and when he had called his 12 disciples to him, notice, who did he call to him? 12 disciples. Now we know that. Now he had named them. We're not going to go into other names of them. He gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal kinds of, all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Now the names of the 12 apostles are these. What? Wait, wait, what, what just happened here? Did you ever go to a graduation ceremony? When you graduate, that's it. I'm through. You know, we graduate everything now. I'm through with the, my first six weeks of kindergarten. We should have a diploma. It's like we graduate everything. No, you graduate from high school. You get up. You're not going to high school no more. That's it. You finish that. You go to your next realm of learning. The apostle, the disciples graduated to an apostleship. Now, let's get another thing out of our head. This idea that apostles are some superstars that have to do phenomenal things and show up walking on water or flying through the air like a ninja or something. Look, it's none of that. An apostle just means they have been sent. You finish learning. Now go do something with it. The problem with the traditional structure is you always learning, but you never come to truth. You always learn. It's like a dead sea. It just comes into you. Oh, show me more. Show me more. Show me more. Most of the American people I know have enough Bible in their head, more so than most of the third world countries on this planet. And yet they sit there just, I don't know enough. I don't know enough. I know enough to be what? Listen, Here's another thing. Get this out of your mind. You don't have to be glowing pastor whoever. You have to have a testimony and a heart that's willing to obey Jesus to do the will of God and finish his work. I don't have a covering. If Jesus ain't covering you, you in trouble. My pastor might get back. Leave him. Drag up, quit his church. If he says, if you leave under my covering, you're going to go to hell. Man, you go to hell. No, you, no way. That's enough of that lying, false covering stuff. All that is is a control scam, scam of devils. I hear some 
charismatic teachers out there go, mm, shot their golden calf right in the heart. Don't fear that. Look, I don't want to disrespect, but when somebody's trying to control you, just say, if you leave out there and go do that, then the God won't bless you. He's going to curse you. Oh, get up, man. A curse causeless cannot land. And let me tell you something. When you go and do the cause of Christ, forget him. Like you got a church sitting here and the next door neighbor to the church ain't saved. And you say, I'm going over there. Well, if you're not reaching the next door neighbor, man, let, let the guy go. Let him go reach him. Stay with it. Stay with this. From disciple to apostleship. Look, at some point we move. We graduate. You know what that means in traditional structure? Well, we're going to let you be the head of a Sunday school class. We're going to let you teach a Sunday school class. We're going to make you lead this program and this program and this program and this program. And after a while, you're just like, and that, that's how you fulfill the Great Commission. Are you kidding? What you're doing is building a pyramid for Pharaoh. And it ends up being everybody's tomb. Turn with me to Luke 9, uh, Luke 10, excuse me, I made that mistake earlier today. 133, page 133, bottom of the page, Luke 10. We're going to get down to it now. Let me show you what Jesus did. Now, Matthew goes on in chapter 10 to give it a, a, a thorough explanation to his 12. What I want you to see here is, is that in Luke 10, verses 1 through 9, he said, after these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also. Would you look at that? I have looked high and low for somebody to tell me who these 70 were. You know what? We don't know who they were. You know what I else I'm glad about? I'm glad we don't know who they were. They were nobodies. They didn't get scripture time. They didn't get their name and lights. Nobody, but they did the will of God. I'll tell you what they did do. They went out and they were casting out devils, healing the sick, raising the dead, and they were doing the will of Jesus. It was so good that Jesus, when they came back, the Bible said Jesus rejoiced in spirit. Go look this up. Go look it up. It's later in chapter 10 in Luke. And it says it means to jump up in the air and throw your arms, flail your arms and twirl around in circles. Jesus had a Holy Ghost conniption fit. Finally, my people did what I want them to do. It's better than listening to five million of Mr. Uh, greatest Bible teacher's sermons. Go do what Jesus commanded you to do. Go back at it. Let me show you what he's going to do. Let's fill in the blanks here. <clears throat> and he sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. Look, I believe when you're going to start following this, that you got to give a, get a faith like you never had before. No, notice one thing, get discipled by someone who has walked with Jesus. Someone who can can ground you in the things of God. All right. I believe in discipleship, relational discipleship. Don't just read a book. Don't just I mean to tell you or, and, and get this fire burning inside of you and, and be taught at least know a little bit of your subject matter. I mean, even the vacuum salesman goes out and knows a little bit about the vacuum cleaner. So, I mean, you're trying to sell eternal life, man. Put it out there. You better know your business. Know what and, and be thorough about what your your knowledge of what Christ has done inside of you and be ready to go. He sent him out two by two into every city and place where he himself would go. Then he says, go your ways. And in Matthew, he said, uh, as you go. Notice that there wasn't a specific place. 
He did send them to a specific group. Don't go to the law. Don't go to the Gentiles. It wasn't time yet. Go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That's what he said. Lost sheep. See, now it's been open to us Gentiles. And I believe right now the target audience is the lost sheep of the church. It ain't time to leave the 99 and go after the one. It's leave the one and let's go after the 99 because that many have left. It's time to go after the multitudes that have left. And don't try to drag them back to Pharaoh's tomb. We'll turn to, stay with me. Watch this carefully. We have to have faith to believe that wherever we go, he's going with it. Isn't that what he said in the Great Commission? Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. I believe wherever I go, we just started a new church down in another parish. And I'm telling you, I was like, I believe where we go, God's going to show up. Is it because of me? No, it's because God's in me. And if he ain't in you, get him in you. This is the beauty of the new covenant. The kingdom come has come into our heart. The king of the kingdom has come. The Holy Ghost fills us today. That's Emmanuel. That's God with us. Come on, man. Wherever you go, God goes. And begin to tell others about Jesus with confidence that when I show up, there's going to be a manifestation of the glory of God somewhere. What's wrong with thinking like that? I think there's wrong, something wrong with not thinking like that. Stay with me. Watch what he said. Look at this in verse two. The, then he said to them, the harvest. Look, he's repeated. The harvest truly is great, but the labors are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out labors into his harvest. Now, what I think is so beautiful about this. He didn't say, man, that really worked real good with the uh, with the first 12. Let's try something new. No, he trained up 70 more, said, Go do the exact same thing I just sent the last 12 to do. And guess what he's going to say to the next 70? And the next ones. And the next ones. Same thing. There is no reason to change this plan. I firmly believe what happened on the day of Pentecost that quickly moved into house to house was because of this training that I'm about to give you right now. Look carefully at Luke chapter 10. I, I, this in particular, Luke 10 is why I like to read this. He said, go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. Look at that. Go your way. You know, that might be to your job. That might be in your neighborhood, your grocery store. As you go, wherever your life is taking you, Just be so aware that when you step anywhere, I'm on the mission field. Come on, man, we need some missionaries. And, you know, the missionary is a bad word, in my opinion. We need apostle apostolic workers who follow the apostolic paradigm that the early church taught. Go your ways. Look. I send you out as lambs among wolves. Be aware. They, they got folk that want to eat you up when you get there. Go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. Carry neither money bag, knapsack, or sandals, and greet no one along the road. I look at that as, okay, you don't need a money. You know, let me just say this too. Money is not the currency of the kingdom of God. 
You better have the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give unto thee. In the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. Pray for the sick. Cast out devils. Pray for those whose uh, hearts have been broken, that they would be restored. Jesus still heals the brokenhearted. And you begin to minister to those and give mercy to them and, and, and bind up their wounds and pray with them and love them back to life again. Oh boy, what a day. Huh? Stay with it. Stay with it. Don't get distracted. Let me tell you, I believe the devil wants to send you a, a, a person of an, an antagonist that will literally sidetrack you and suck your time dry and you'll be totally ineffective. Man, don't even, well, I got to stay with it for just one good sit. No, look, man, let me tell you something. Forget him. Don't talk to no one along the road. I love that advice. Get your head straight. I'm not going to be interested in let's uh, let's delve into the the fine points of doctrine and theology. I don't care about whatever you think at this point. I'm ready to reach the lost sheep of the church. Can we can we have that attitude? Uh, I'm too busy right now. Well, I'd like to find the hear the fine points of your doctrine. Well, somebody's about to fall into hell and I ain't got time to talk to you about fine points. No one deserves to hear it twice when some haven't heard it once. See you. Go get busy. Go do the will of God and finish his work. Keep going. Watch this carefully. Whatever house you enter, look at there. First say, peace to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. If not, it will return to you. Now, Whatever house, here we go, the word house, oikos. It's what we named our whole churches after, all of them. Oikos ministry, house. It's named after this teaching right here. And let me credit Brother Ralph Neighbor and uh, Dr. Lawrence Kong and those that I learned this stuff from. Uh, some of it's my own, most of it's theirs. And God bless them for teaching this. It opened my eyes and it literally began to shift my thinking Took me a long time, but I, I literally it shifted my thinking to say, what do I need this building for anyway? It's a waste of time, money, and effort and energy. And what build it, forget building and programs. What I need these programs for. Man, may all the programs just rest in peace, because I'll never do another one. Don't have not one program. 16 years, no programs. Hallelujah. Praise him. Now look, watch care. No buildings either. Praise him. Hallelujah. Now Whatever house you enter. Now, let's talk about how everybody, listen to me carefully, everybody, no exceptions, everyone lives in an oikos. Now, we could also get into a misnomer. You know how people call, uh, what, what church do you go to? And immediately you're thinking about the steeple on the corner. Church, it's a building with a, this is the house of God. No, it's not. You see, neither is a physical house necessarily the oikos. It can mean that. But the oikos is the circle of relationships in every person's life. Now, you, you hear me carefully. Most people have an oikos of about 10 to 12 people. Most, I'm going to throw in a word, most healthy people have an oikos of about 10 to 12 people that you look to in FaceTime on a weekly basis, at least an hour. 
Now you could you could start running through your list. Well, mom and daddy just no 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 no. Look, some people's mom and daddy ain't even in their oikos. Think about it. some people's kids ain't in their oikos. I'd like to see my kid again. Where is that kid anyway? You know, it's, we don't even eat with our children anymore. Think about it. They've been on a cell phone looking down at it for. Well, I think he's still using his phone if the battery ain't dead. And we don't know where they are. Everybody's lost touch. Remember now, normal, healthy people have about 10 to 12 people in their house and their oikos that they literally have fellowship with really a, a, a communion of some sort with, with and they may not be saved but it says when you enter into an oikos if we begin to think oikos oikos penetration that i'm when i begin to be welcomed into an oikos let me say this and you you, you try to lay hold on this this is one of my major points when when someone in an oikos invites you in, when you say peace to this house, when you bring the gospel of peace to a oikos, a specific person in that oikos, a son of peace or a person of peace, someone who's literally seeking peace. Now, remember, that person of peace may be doing dope. That person of peace may be in every sin you can dream of. That person of peace literally is trying to find the peace of God in they're looking for peace in all the wrong places. But they're friendly to the gospel because they accept you. Let me tell you, here's the point I wanted to make. When a lost sheep of the church or a lost soul welcomes you into their oikos, knowing full well what you stand for, who you're about. I believe you're on the holiest ground you could ever stand on. You better treat it like it's the most precious gift heaven ever sent. It's more important to be in that oikos than to go back to church. Don't come dragging them to me or to some other house church leader or to the person who discipled you. He said, you stay in that oikos. Nobody else is welcome but you. Don't haul them out of there. Stay in there. Don't, don't say... Come go with me to my church. That is not the great commission. He said, go. Now you're in there. You got in. Glory be to God. They've opened the door to you. Now stay there. Eat and drink with them. Now I'm not talking about sin with them. Jesus ate and drank with sinners, but he didn't sin. You ain't got to get all tatted up and drink beer and smoke dope with them. To, to, well, I'm just trying to get their approval. No, no, you don't have to immerse yourself in wicked culture. You don't have to do that. You just show up. They've already accepted you. They know you stand for the gospel of peace. Man, represent. Walk in holiness. Give them the heebie-jeebies. If they've already accepted, it don't matter. They're like, dude, the dude never cusses. What's wrong with him? <laughs> That's what you want to happen. Conviction. And bring their soul to Christ. And stay there. Don't haul him to church. Bring him to Jesus. Immerse him into the word of God till his head is full of Christ and he gets born again. Baptize him. Then you can bring him into church if nobody else. But look, stay in the oikos and get them all saved till they all fall like dominoes. Where the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our God. And not only are you evangelizing in a true way, you're planting a church at the same time. A house church. 
the church that meets in Johnny come lately's house. Come on, man. Ain't you excited? Man, I'm stirred up. I hope somebody's light just turned on and you never go back to a traditional building again. I mean, I hope somebody's got their Converse tennis shoes on, just ran out the house and that's it. I got a track to run on. I'm going. Huh? Pastor, where are you at? I'm, I ain't got time for all that. Jesus said, go, I went, see you in glory. Come on now. If a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon it. Man, this is so cool. When a, when a lost person invites you to stay, they don't know why. They just want what you got. Don't ever lose sight of that. They don't care how good you can fish or hunt or, or, or how good a stories you can. Man, bring them the gospel of peace. Please, let's major on the majors. Let me tell you what every person could do. You could take that person by the hand. When they tell you, man, I'm going through it, man, the old lady's giving me problems or my kids are stupid or what? You know. Hey, let me pray with you. And you start pastoring their soul. All of a sudden, it just, their hearts melt. I've been doing this for 40 years. I've had one person in my whole life tell me, no, I don't want you to pray with me. One. One person in 40-something years. Ain't that something? I'm talking about raw heathens. Bow your head, man. I'm going to pray with you. Boy, they just get all shook up. Then it's like it, it, you're never the same with them anymore. I have just invoked divinity on their behalf. And they feel like they. Come on now. I was thinking I could hear a shout through Facebook tonight or something, you know. Now, let me show you something. Jesus commands us to go. If we go all the way back to the beginning of the creation, I want to show you something. In Genesis, we're on page 134, the white book here, the little biblical church book. In Genesis 1, very bottom of the page, verse 26 through 28, creation principle right here. Then God said, let us make man in our image. According to our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them. God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth, subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now, notice that command. God created us in his image and said, be fruitful and multiply. Now, certainly he's talking about procreation in the physical sense that we are literally created a trifold human uh, spirit, soul, and body. We literally carried the image. I love oh, a friend of ours, Guy Emanuel, says uh, the mirrored ones. We, we mirror the image of Christ in the earth. And, and so when we, uh, when we look at the idea of the, the image of carrying, that image was marred. Literally, in the day we sin, we're separated from God. And so the image is marred at that point. And so when that's restored through Jesus Christ, that eternal life is restored back and we are we, we come through the new birth and we yield our will, wills back to God. And then literally we become we, we begin to bear his image once again in the planet. This is what God wants. And this is what the devil fights. He does not want you to reflect God's glory in the earth. Moses had the vision. He said, as surely as I live, the whole earth will be filled of your glory. 
And so when we see the glory of God filling the earth through born again people who reflect the glory of God and have the person of the Holy Ghost living inside and living out Christ in us, the hope of glory. This is the picture of what God wants for his people. Now, look, we could fill there. There's something like 8 billion people on the planet. That flesh ain't doing nothing to save people. But when we get born again, he wants the spiritual reproduction. Come on, we're talking about impregnating others with the gospel where the word of God gets in the hearts of men and a person becomes born again by faith in God's word and we reproduce. This is fruitfulness. When a Christian wins another soul to Christ and they become a Christian, that is being fruitful. When we have a home, uh, we expect a, a husband and wife come together, they have a child, and we expect that one day, it's getting less less expectation, but one day we expect that that kid gets out and starts his own home. Son, you're 40, you need to go. That's where we're at now. But look, really, listen, we, we have to get to a point where we're expecting our sons and daughters to go. Now, that is not the expectancy in the church today. In the church today, we do not expect sons and daughters to go. We expect them to stay. We hate the very idea of them going out. It's so weird. It is weird. It aborts creation. The principle of creation. Look, when an apple tree bears an apple, that's the fruit of an apple tree. When an apple, and that's fruitfulness, but when an apple tree and the seed falls into the ground and another tree comes up, that's multiplication. We need to plant churches. He said be fruitful and multiply. The church needs to work with the principles of creation here. Look, if you took this to uh, Ephesians chapter five, there's a great teaching on husbands and wives, husbands, you know, wives submit to your husbands, love your wife. He gets to the end of that whole teaching about the marriage and he says, but I'm not talking about marriage. I'm talking about Christ in the church. He's literally saying how it should be with Christ in the church, that the body of Christ should be fruitful and multiply. And he said, as, look, he said that, uh, how does it, Put it, let, let me read it. Excuse me. I'm about to mess up. I don't want to misquote. Look what he says. The Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on man. When Adam and he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man, he made it into a woman. He brought her to the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Look at the natural nature's creation principle that a man would grow up and leave his house and find a wife and start another house. This is the creation principle in the evangelism as well. God told Adam, and he said, because I could swear by no greater, I swore by myself, by these two immutable things. That surely blessing I will bless you and multiplying I will multiply you. Today all kind of books are written about church growth principles and all this. And literally it's all how to build one big pyramid scheme where you can keep people in your pyramid. I ain't talking about that at all. I'm talking about the fruit of multiplication where you turn somebody loose and let them grow their own house.
expect it, demand it. Sometimes you got to kick them out. Make them go. We need to learn how to wean folk. We don't want to go. We like it here. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess you do like it here. Huh? You go feed somebody else. Y'all not shouting with that little sermon, are you? Look, turn with me to the book of Mark. I got to go to Bible on this one. Mark chapter four. We're stepping out away from the white book and that's totally legal. It's a Bible study. Mark chapter four. <sighs> All right. I'm in verse 26. He said, Jesus said, so is the kingdom of God as if a man should cast seed into the ground and should sleep and rise night and day and the seed should spring and grow up. He knows not how for the earth brings forth fruit of herself. This is a pretty important thing here. The earth brings forth fruit of herself. We went back to Genesis chapter one and looked at it. It says that God created the, the, the tree bearing fruit yielding seed after his kind. The principle of creation in reproduction is that the tree bears fruit with seed after his own kind. Look what it says. The kingdom of God is just like this. Now we're talking kingdom principle here. If a man should cast seed to the ground and should sleep and rise night and day, the seed should spring and grow up. He knows not how. For the earth brings forth fruit of herself. Now, if you go look at the Greek word here, and I am not a Greek scholar, but let me tell you what it does say. Automaton or automatos, where we get the word automatic from. Okay. So if we looked at the automatic creation principle in seed time and harvest, that we plant the seed into the dirt of the earth. <laughs> I like that God took man out of the dirt of the earth. We plant the seed of God into the dirty heart of man and that germinated seed then dies and it comes up. It does not know how. Look at it, it says it comes up of its own accord. First the blade, then the ear. And after that, the full corn in the ear. But when the fruit is brought forth immediately, he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Look at this great creation principle right there. The automatons of God that literally he put this in the creation principle. And I believe he has also put this in the recreation principle that when you and I are recreated in Christ Jesus for good works, that we are now the sower who goes out to sow. Jeremiah warns us, do not sow among thorns. I hear to tell you here, American Preachers, hear me carefully. Almost all the sowing that American preachers do is among thorns. I've been noticing a lot of Facebook posts here lately about uh, folk are whining because people preach repentance against sin too much. Well, look, uh, Greasy Grace has had, what, seven, eight decades now. Y'all just need to go and shut up. It's time to preach until somebody gets convicted and their heart literally gets broken until the discs of repentance, the discs of God run through your heart. Literally the arrows of God are shot deep into the hearts of sinful men who know better. 
Let me tell you, I believe the most wicked thing on this planet today is called presumptuous grace. It used to be in the old covenant, there was, there was, there was no forgiveness for presumptuous sin. But let me tell you today, I believe that this presumptuous grace has literally marred the things of God to a, to a place where it's terrible and it has to be brought out, uh, preached against. Well, you're not preaching for Jesus. You're preaching against some. Oh, yeah, let me tell you, you hate it, don't you, devil? Exposing your roach self. A little light make you run for cover, roach. Oh, hallelujah. The arrows of God stick fast in me, King David exclaimed. The arrows of God in the hearts of a sinful man, when it pierces the heart, you say, I'm a man undone. The arrows of God stick fast in my soul. This is what we need in this hour. And there the seed of God gets in. That's where we need to plant the seed to the weeping, broken soul who's broken down. The clods have been chopped to pieces. There ain't no hard heart. It ain't no wayside. It ain't no thorns. It's a, a chopped up heart and we put the seed in there and it dies and it comes out first the blade then the seed then the ear then the full corn in the ear come on i hope somebody's seeing it how much time i what where am i huh 10 12 all right okay y'all staying with me let me get back to the white book here so we don't throw everybody off the deal we have to restore the creation principles back to this process. This is what is repeated in the book of Hebrews when God said, I just said it a minute ago. And God said, when he spoke to Abraham, he said, because I could swear by no greater, I, I, I could swear by nothing great. I swore by myself that these two immutable things, surely blessing, I will bless you and curse uh, and multiply. I will multiply thee. Let me take you all the way back to Genesis one more time. Go to Genesis chapter 12 at the very call of Abram. The very call of Abram, father Abraham. Look, I believe what God showed me in, in January 1st, 2001, God showed me that we needed to get back to the beginning of the creation. And I want to tell you, we need to go back further back than, you know, right now, all the rage is we need to all become Jews all of a sudden. I don't know what that's about. Let me tell you what, I ain't going to be no Jew and I'm going to work on Saturday. I'm going to work because Jesus is working. Jesus healed on the Sabbath. So will I. I'll have church. I'll do whatever. It don't look. Look, I've entered into his rest 41 years ago. Huh? The work of faith ain't labor. Let's labor to enter into that rest. This ain't hard work. The work is believe. Believe. The work is drive out all unbelief out of you. Believe. Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me and you shall find rest unto your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In the yoke of Jesus, you know, in the law, it said don't plow with an ox and an ass. Because it ain't fair. Who's going to take the harder labor? Poor old ox. But let me tell you something. When you're in the yoke with Jesus, guess who does all the pulling? Without him, you can do nothing. With him ain't nothing impossible.
Come on, y'all not shouting with me. Look, Genesis 12, watch this in verse 1. Now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country and from your kindred. Let, let's, I'm going to update this. Can I, can I paraphrase? Get out of your church. Get out of your tradition. Quit calling him father, the holy father. Leave him. Oh, pastor, leave him. Get out of your father's house into a land I'll show you and I'll make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you should be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless you. I will curse him that curse thee. And in all in these shall all the families of the earth be blessed. That means that every ethnic group on this planet will be blessed because we become the blessing. We inherit the blessing through Abraham by the power of the Holy Ghost. This blessing is fulfilled in every believer. The bringing the blessing is so vital in this hour to all peoples, all nation, every tongue. Bring the blessing. We are the blessing. Man, make your life a blessing that you're a giving of life. He said, because I could swear no by by no greater. I swore by myself in two immutable things, unchangeable, unmovable creation principles that surely blessing, I will bless you and multiply. I will multiply you and I will make your seed as the sin of the sea and as the stars of the heaven. More, more. God would say, ask and I'm going to give you the nations. If you don't think God wants a harvest, look carefully at the cross. Look so carefully at it. He made provision for every wicked man, woman, child on this planet to come to Christ and be saved. He's given you everything it takes to be born again and be cleaned of your sin and become a new creature in Christ Jesus. Oh, what a glory. Hallelujah. Look, we're talking about evangelism and church planning in the house church. I believe that every person on the sound of my voice, when you've been born again, can pull this off. Now I want you to think, well, let's try to put all these mechanics together. We've been teaching about the history of the church and all this stuff. Let's just bring it all back. Four major foundational principles, apostles doctrine and fellowship, breaking of bread and prayer. Could you go out and spend some time with a lost friend? Could you eat with them? Could you pray for them? Oh, John Wesley said, this whole world is my parish. He pastored everybody he came in contact with. You start pastoring them. What do they ain't say? Well, it don't matter. Pastor. Them. Pray for them. What if they sin? Well, what if you was a sinner? Remember where you came from, devil. Remember what you were. Remember how God had mercy and patience with you and his long suffering. He didn't strike you dead. Remember. You was wicked. He had mercy on you and he reached his holy arm into your filthy life and pulled you out. Come on, man. So bear with that sinning person. Let me tell you something. I would rather bear with a rank sinner than I would with a with a religious sinner. I got no time. Just like Jesus. Jesus didn't have no time for the religious sinner. He didn't. He was he really kind of made it kind of tough on him to get through. 
Go read his book. Jesus wasn't nice to everybody. Contrary to your humanistic theology, he was not nice. He was truthful. And sometimes that truth was very, very difficult. So I would, oh, I got compassion on the, on the rankest of sinner. Please have compassion on sinners. Go pray with them. Pray with their children. Bring the presence of God. Bring your peace. Don't get caught up in the turmoil. Man, if you're the drama, then it, it's kind of like these fake news medias now. If you come in and you're the news, who need, we don't need you being the news. We need you being the peacemaker. That you come in and bring the peace of God to the place. How much time I got? Just a few minutes. Mm-hmm. Tell you a story. We found a guy. We were out witnessing found a guy who was in a dumpster. <clears throat> I ain't going to say his name or he might be listening. I, I, I just won't say it. But look, him and his nephew lived together and they both smoked like uh, used car salesmen. I mean, they, they literally they smoked like freight trains. And boy, they would get into arguments and, and they always fussed and fought like one and two o'clock in the morning. And they would call my phone. You need to come over. We fight about to kill him. I get in my car and I drive over and boy, it felt like a union meeting. <laughs> the smoke was, it, it looked like the smoke was hovering in the house. They smoked. I think it came. <laughs> I hate cigarettes. I really do. I used to smoke it. I don't know how I did. I hate it. And so I'd go in there and we'd smoke. I'd sit there and I'd smoke and I'd say, okay, what's going on guys? Well, he did. He threw his shirt on the floor. It's my shirt. And we would have a petty argument for a couple of hours and I'd pray with them and the peace would come back or they ran out of cigarettes. I don't know which happened first, but we would get them to where they weren't killing each other and they'd go to sleep and I could go home and take a shower. It's like that. You say, what's the point? I don't know. What did Jesus do for you? I'm going to leave it right there. Look at that, man. You could go and have a, a meal with the rankest of sinners. Pray for them. Pray with them. Bring your peace there. Find the son of peace, the person of peace, just like the woman at the well. That was a person of peace. Jesus was so effective because he went straight to the person of peace. He didn't get distracted. When devil's distracted, we just cast them out. Come out, devil. Go. That's fun. It's just fun. Next week, we're going to talk about the mission. God bless you all. I pray this ministers to you. Pray about it. We need multitudes going out into this harvest right now. Why not you? God bless. We are so thankful that you joined us for this teaching today. It's our sincere prayer that many of you would be born again through hearing God's Word. If you were blessed by this podcast, we would love to hear from you. For more information on Oikos Ministries, visit us on our website, www.housechurchesusa.com.